Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Happy Thursday, my friends, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. Today is May 7th, 2020, and it is week, I don't know, I forgot, I lost count of, uh, seems like week 34 of quarantine, but I know it's not that long. Um, I'm going a little crazy, um, just being stuck in the house, and, and uh, I, I'm just missing people. I'm missing seeing people, giving people hugs, um, seeing people at church, and seeing friends and family, and I'm sure that you all are missing that as well, um, but luckily we're doing things like this so that we can have some semblance of community. Uh, I encourage you again, if you're just listening to this on the podcast, it's actually a really interactive segment that we're doing with the guys um, on Facebook where they'll um, interact with questions you have in real time sometimes. So um, this particular episode features a special appearance uh, appearance from John Grandy, so I hope that you all enjoy that, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys soon. Awesome. We are live. All right. So glad oh. everyone is here. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Perfect. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Table Talk Thursdays. Um, I am one of your hosts, Daniel, um, and we are here with Pastor Nathan and Pastor Jared. And we have a fourth face that we'll get to um, shortly, but uh, good guess. If you can guess who that is, you can go ahead and throw his name out there on the comment yeah. section. Uh, but uh, Pastor Nathan, Pastor, how are you brothers doing? Uh, man, I, for the most part, I'm doing okay. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about something that um, has been troubling me deeply um, over the last night. Just was up all night thinking about it. But in general, I'm loving the sun. Um, I'm loving the ability to, to um, be outside with my family and um, just grateful in this season to have nice days although i hear snow is coming and it only for like the 10th time in 150 years or some ridiculous number it's going to snow in may uh it could change but um might be tomorrow just just saying just wow. just saying fun times in michigan huh no <laughs> Jared, this is <laughs> Jared, this is uh probably um you're laughing at a michigan technically you come from minnesota and yeah you guys have snow probably in the middle of july sometimes uh yeah i think so uh, glaciers come up through the lakes and stuff like that but i was um, actually being funny but good lord okay <laughs> no no i'm kidding i'm being funny as well i'm trying to be okay. funny at least so no we're we're doing um we're not doing great as a family um you'll hear more about this this weekend in the sermon but our daughter cora is in the hospital with uh, acute mm. complicated appendicitis and um and it is, that's the technical term, uh, complicated. Mm. And it is complicated, in fact. And so can't operate right away. Um, so I can't be there with her. My wife is in the hospital with her. Um, so, but God is faithful and um, and uh, she's in good hands. And so um, I'm here with the other two kids and and we're making things work as, as best we can um, and trusting that God's going to be in control. And then also, just the, the some of the things that we're going to be talking about a little bit later um, are, are heavy on my heart as well. So, excellent, excellent. Well, uh, same here. Um, um, probably in more ways than not. Um, but um, we'll chat about those uh, awful things that are going on in our world to bring awareness to them. Um, but overall, the Fagbui family is trying to trying to continue to ride out this um, this new season we're in. And just as a reminder to everybody that um, we welcome all your questions here, questions about the most recent sermons, uh, any questions about life and theology and the pursuit of godliness, or just life questions in general. All those are welcomed, and those are due in by Tuesday evening, and we will um, collate those questions and put them on tap for uh, this week, or if you come in a little late, don't worry, we will put them in for the next week. So we welcome all your questions. Live questions are also welcomed. Any follow-up questions, we would love to hear from you. And just as a reminder to just continue to pray for our nation. Uh, you've heard some things that are going on with Pastor Jared. Please continue to pray for him and his family. Pray for those who are 
uh, awaiting test results, those who are, have lost their employments, those who have lost loved ones um, in this season, um, those who are the at-risk population, the front lines folks, the healthcare professionals, the essential employees, the elderly, or anyone with pre-existing conditions. And I just want to continue to shout out the folks at Life Church uh, for reaching out to each other and caring for each other. Um, I'm thankful that God is in you working um, and that you are also yielding to the work of God in you to love and care for your brothers and sisters in these hard times. And, um, and you never know how much a call, a text, um, an email, a carrier pigeon, if you will, <laughs> how much that would uh, encourage someone's soul. So please feel free to encourage someone's soul. Well, we have a wonderful guest with us today. Has anyone been able to guess who it is? Did anybody put that in online? Looking online to see. Well, we have our wonderful brother, John Grandy. Uh, brother with a last name like Grandy, man. You you just had to be grand in everything you do, huh? Mm. How grandy. are you doing? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Said the Grandy man can. The Grandy man can. I love that. <laughs> Something tells me that's not the first time you've said that. Uh, no, actually, an embarrassing moment. I ran for uh, president <laughs> of my class in high school. My, my campaign slogan was, get ready for this, vote for Grandy. He'll come in handy. Brother, I mean, hey, listen, listen, man, listen. And I lost. I did not. I did not win. Grand, you were not handy. You did not come in handy. Maybe you should have passed out some candy. Yes. All of the above. No, thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be with you today and looking forward to this conversation. Sweet, sweet. So how are you and the family? How is the Grandy uh, tribe doing in this unique season? Feel free to share with us whatever you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think overall we've chosen and are learning to make the most of quarantine. Uh, there's certainly moments where our kids want to kill each other, but we separate them for a while and, and they do much better. Um, we decided to buy a trampoline before, right before quarantine, which was kind of a God thing because we can kind of send them outside to get their energy out, which has been, which has been nice. Um, uh, my honey-do list has grown during quarantine, so we've been doing some house projects, enjoying that. And, uh, you know, enjoying is in quotes because it's a lot of work, but it's... And your wife is watching, brother. <laughs> yeah, I got to be careful what I say. Um, but it's fun to do that together. And then, uh, my wife, Liz and I have been enjoying helping couples behind the scenes. We've got a life coaching side hustle. And, um, as we all know, the season brings out all the emotions in us. So we've seen, um, actually an influx of clients and it's been really rewarding serving them together as a couple. So I feel like it's helped us feel like there's some purpose in the midst of this, just to kind of lean in and help people through it. Amen. John, yeah, I'm seeing. Try, uh, try, okay. Sorry, uh, Jared. I'm. I, I'm seeing that there's just trampolines on every corner in my neighborhood. <laughs> Is that a Michigan thing, brothers? I think. It, I, I think it's a kid thing. Period. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. As as I, but I don't uh, know. All right. Well, good. Go John, ahead, I had a question for you, um, and I know this about you, but maybe not everybody does. Um, you're also a two on the Enneagram. You care a lot about people. Am I correct in that? I'm, I think I remember that correctly. Um, you're a pastor, you're a dad, you're a husband. Um, and specifically you're in a past, you're a pastor in the area of discipleship where you're constantly wanting to invest in people. I think you're a life coach as well. Yes. Um, and so you're constantly giving, giving, giving. Right. How do you, how have you been sort of caring for your soul in this time as well? Like what, what, things have been a blessing to you and to your soul um, mm -hmm. as you get filled up to be able to give out? Yeah, great question. I think that's something I, I struggle with. Part of what you said about Enneagram 2s is that we are not good at self-care. It's something that, that we have to work hard at. And I'll say more about that uh, in a little bit. But um, I, I felt at capacity and uh, all those things you mentioned are things that I'm doing and then just add on um, graduate work with um, my master's degree that I'm working on. And so that's, that's felt like kind of the, the extra thing on the top that I wish I could cut out, but I can't. Um, and I also get a lot out of it with the learning that's involved, but there are definitely times where I feel at capacity or just like, I can't, I'm done with people at this point. And I think for me, um, 
I'm learning in this season to pay attention to my heart and my soul when I need to fill it back up again. Um, so the other day I was just feeling tired in the middle of the day and it's like, you know what? I want to take a nap and I'm going to take a nap. And it was on my day off on Friday. So I could easily do that. And I just said, Liz, I'm going to go take a nap. You know, can you, can you stay with the kids? And she's like, yeah, go for it. So giving myself permission to sleep when I need to sleep. Um, for me, it's been really good to be outside. I love just being in the sun and being outdoors. We've gone on walks almost every night as a family. So just getting outside has been really good for my soul. Um, and, you know, I get made fun of for this, but journaling is a big deal for me just to kind of pour out my, my heart on paper. And if I don't do that, it like stays stuck inside of me. Who makes and- fun of you for journaling? Journaling's the best. <laughs> Let's all pull out our journals. Um, but, but no, uh, you know, just to be able to, to kind of process what's going on inside journaling really helps too, and kind of helps to center me. So, uh, so what, John, we're going to see you this weekend as well as you're hosting, which is great. So some of you who maybe don't know who he is, you'll be able to see him again this weekend as he's on stage doing your thing. But, um, so what, what do you do here at Life Church Canton? What, why are you here and, and, and what, what do you do? Yeah, great question. I'm discipleship pastor and it's, uh, it's my joy to help people, um, follow, imitate and become like Jesus. That's how we describe a disciple. And that's what we want to help people do. So it's, it's crucial. It's intentional. It's, it's baby steps of becoming like Jesus. But uh, we have this process called the life journey that we've launched this year. And it's an intentional process of helping us to become disciples, not just for ourselves, but leading others into that uh, discipleship. So it's been so fun for me to be able to really step into that um, as my main focus and realizing that's really my passion and my heart. So to be able to train leaders, to lead courses for life journey, et cetera. Um, but all things discipleship. Yeah. So, so when you say discipleship, cause that's a word I think that gets thrown around in Christian circles a lot. And it can mean I'm discipling you because I get up on stage and I preach a sermon to you and that's discipleship. In fact, at many churches, that's what they caught. You gave us the definition, but make it a little more nitty gritty for me. What, what, what do you mean? What is your hope for anybody? So you walk into life church camp, you've been a Christian all your life. Mm-hmm. For you, I know that for all those things, but like, what do, what is the goal for what is the goal I think Pastor Nathan speaking individual, with uh, your voices of angels, any interpreter? What do you want to see happen for every person who walks church? Hey, Pastor Nathan, we lost you there for a second. I'll just ask quick. What does it really mean to be a disciple? My internet <laughs> sucks. I can't. Though I speak with tons yeah, of angels. Am I back now? Because I, I heard you. That actually was me that time. Um, so... <laughs> Tell me what you want for every. <laughs> it's doing. Like he, he said he's going to do it fast, but you I get, get the gist. Yeah. Yeah. So my heart. For, I'm not going to be able to talk much, apparently. <laughs> my heart for every, every Christian. Just, just go. Just go. Yeah, yeah. I'm dumb. Every Christian, every person who calls Life Church their home specifically is to to multiply themselves. That we would not just learn about what Jesus has taught us and become a disciple personally, but that we would give what we've got. You know, I think about this a lot and we talk about this in the life journey, but can you imagine if the 12 disciples would have kept everything that Jesus gave them to themselves? Mm. Like we, we wouldn't be here right now if they just kind of hoarded their spirituality and their knowledge and their walk with God for themselves, they realized that they had to, you know, give what they had to pass this on and to pour into others to make them disciples. And it's because of that, that we're here right now. And so I think that um, we have an epidemic in Christianity where it's, it's a consumer focus and not a contributor focus. This is about what can we consume and, and if I dare maybe get fat and lazy spiritually, but, but not contributing, not giving back, not intentionally taking someone under our wing and teaching them everything 
that Jesus has taught us. And I'm speaking in generalities and, um, and purposefully kind of jabbing a little bit, because I think we all need to look at where we've been consuming and not contributing and really um, wrestle with that. Yeah. I, um, I remember when I, my, um, uh, one of my, uh, mentors and I were talking, actually my only mentor and I were talking some years back and, um, I was doing a project on, uh, just mentorship. And I was like, who are you mentor? Who's mentoring you? He's a very intelligent, mature man. And, um, and he's the one that everybody goes to for answers. And he was like, I don't have one now, but I really wish I had one. Mm. Uh, and I thought that was just super exciting. Um, but it, it led me to, to make the statement that um, everybody should either be discipling someone or, and, and not either, but be discipling someone and also being discipled. And disciple could be lateral, right? It could be you and I encouraging each other to be followers of Christ. Uh, but you definitely should be discipling someone who is, uh, not as farther along in the journey as you are. And, and, you know, right. oftentimes I think it's also exciting to see people disciple people in every phase of life uh, as a father, yeah. as a husband, as a fiance, even uh, as a new pastor, as an older pastor. So, but our, our, uh, another question that we have for you is what if any, um, uh, any challenges have you experienced in ministry during the season and how have you, overcome them and there's is there any sort of principles that you could share with our listening audience for them to be able to um, glean from and also use in their lives yeah well we launched the life journey uh, which is our our discipleship process how we try to help move people through um, growing in maturity in Christ we launched that in February February 1st 2020. And so in the very first round of, of this, Nathan's back, um, you know, COVID happened. So we were still finishing our live courses and we had to move everything online. And so that was just a, a huge challenge. You know, how do you communicate with a hundred people who are taking courses and facilitators who are leading those courses? We've had to train them all and how to use uh, Zoom for hosting their meetings had to host, you know, play the videos through the, through the Zoom feed, figure out how to have conversations and um, chat features and all the different things that you have to figure out with uh, doing online courses. But I'd say that's been a huge challenge, but it's also been really fun. And, and Nathan, you can speak to this too, of just how we feel like God has prepared us for this with the way that we've structured Life Journey, because we've got, um, the courses are filmed and so uh, you've got film presenters and then live facilitators. And so we could easily play the videos, you know, through the feed and have facilitators lead that. So I feel like we were really set up for this transition, you know, with thank, thankful for God's providence in that, um, which made it a pretty easy transition. Hey John, I have a real quick question, because I think this is an important thing to address for young parents of kids. Um, whether it's a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom where their whole lives are consumed with their kids. Um, yeah. And anytime I've been in conversation with people like that, they feel this sort of guilt of like, well, I, I literally have no time and I don't know anybody. And like my life is all wrapped up with my kids. Right. And I feel like I'm failing at being a disciple maker. But what would you say to uh, a stay-at-home dad or mom in a situation like that? Yeah, great question. We've had some feedback on this too, even in this season, as we've provided some courses um, during the evenings, uh, where we've one of our classes at eight fifteen p.m. and as one of the participants said, "This is perfect for me because the kids are in bed and I can jump on the call and be a part of this." And so that's another way that we're adjusting in the season is trying to explore some opportunities that are that are better for people with family life. And so, uh, I mean, I think we would be unwise not to continue some of those options even after quarantine where we have some online courses for people. So I, I think that's my, my immediate answer is we're trying to listen and hear people when they say that and say, well, how do we adjust uh, to help them in this season? The other thing I would say is, is to get creative, especially if, you know, if you're married and you have a family where maybe one round the husband takes a course and the next round the wife does. 
So to try to kind of divide and conquer and the other can stay with the kids. And so just getting creative with trying to juggle life now. Um, and, and just to speak to the urgency, you know, all of what you're learning, you can pass on to your kids. So I would see this as training and development for you as a parent. And I would see that as, as not optional, but essential. So I think part of it is kind of adjusting our priorities around the truth that's here. And, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say what I was about to say, cause I say it, uh, in hosting this weekend, but, but these are premier experiences. We put a lot of effort and energy into life journey and, and it really started, uh, with Nathan two churches ago and has um, been developed, uh, you know, through that process. And so, there's a lot of effort and time and energy that has gone into this. So I think it's worth investing in. Yeah. Good stuff, man. I mean, they usually, they usually say uh, necessity is the mother of inventions and it's amazing yeah. how most of, if not all of the inventions that we have even today were born out of necessity. Um, and so I think there's an encouragement for all of our viewers and hearers to uh, we've said this before, but don't waste this season. And perhaps this season is calling you to some ingenuity, uh, whether it's in how you structure your family, how you structure your time, or things that used to not make sense or not be important and are now important. Uh, and I'm sure even Pastor Jerry can speak to that on just the interesting circumstance that he's in and how that might be uh, reshaping some vision and stuff. But yeah, brother, we are happy to have you, man. We're excited at what you're doing. Um, I remember just the first time meeting you um, and just um, and just how I was so enamored by your passion and your sincerity uh, and to really just live out your truth. And I just pray that God will just continue to give you opportunities to live out your potential here and beyond. Super excited for you. Any other thoughts and questions, brothers? Yeah, hopefully I have a uh, internet connection that works. I'm watching your faces to see if you stop moving, but Daniel, you barely move at all. So I can't tell if you're frozen or just being your normal Zen self. Yeah, stop messing with me now. It's not funny. I'm so excited. Stop it, Dan. <laughs> you're killing me. Uh, yeah, I just I, I just wanted to say too, with you know the over the 100 people that have already jumped on board, we have built a system that allows lots of people to be on board. And now it's getting even bigger and better because we have these amazing facilitators who are creating experiences. And it was always about community. It was always about relationship, these classes. In fact, I was pretty, you know, this, this courses have been kind of in development for over 10 years. I and mean, I've been pretty like aggressive about over the years of saying, no, this, this can't be all about instruction. It has to be about experience and yeah. encountering Jesus through people. And so I, I love, John, how you've done such an incredible job with that and continue to, to expand that. People are going to experience something different. Um, that we, we don't even like calling them classes. We, we're like, no, nope, they're courses or they're, they're right. counters because we don't, we don't want to be pretentious. But the, the idea is like, no, this isn't about us giving you information. You've got enough of that. Mm-hmm. If you could have figured it all out by just re- reading everything on your own, we would have done that. We're done. Well, you don't need us. What we yeah. need is people and experience. So the last thing I'd say is if you're struggling and you're not in a small group too, you want to know some people, this is a great way to get to know people really well and encounter God through people. But thank you. You're doing an incredible job, John. And I'm so grateful you're here. So grateful for what you do. Amen. Thank you. It's a privilege. Amen. And I would say on that note, we do have a course opening up May 14th. We've got some spots left. So we'd love to have you be a part of it. Um, you can go to lifechurchcamp.org slash now, and there's a life journey link there that you can click uh, and sign up for that. So we can, we could put that in the comments as well, but I don't want to just talk about this and not give you an opportunity to engage in it. So, um, jump on that. I would encourage you to go quick. There's, there's a couple spots left. So, um, you know, if, if we get an influx of signups, we'll, we'll make more room, but we'd love for you to be a part of it. Sweet, sweet. Well, brother, as you depart from us, um, well, I was going to say physically, but not emotionally, but, you know, Zoom takes some of the cliche things you say out of, out of the picture. But as you yeah. leave us, is there any verse, any um, any line or any anything that's just been uh, reverberating in your soul? Yeah, two things. Let me grab my, my journal, speaking of that. Um, I read this the other day, and it just really, really hit me hard. So this is one of Jesus' last prayers on earth from John 17, verse 4. 
he says, he's speaking to the Father, of course, and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And it just, it, it resonated with me because how many of us can say that, right? That we're confident that we finished the work that God has given us to do. And I just want us to have that kind of tenacity and, and passion to say, I refuse to waste my potential. I refuse to stop short of all that God has called me to do. And I will do whatever it takes to bring God glory and finish the work um, that he's called me to do. You know, and I think that we need to embrace that even now in quarantine. I was thinking just as a final thought that I think we have three perspectives, one of three perspectives in seasons like this. We can choose to ride it out, to resist it, or to embrace it. And I think if we ride it out, the problem is uh, that we are so focused on the destination that we miss the transformation of the journey. And transformation can be a violent process. It's not easy, but it transforms us and makes us better. And if all we do is just try to ride this out, then we're going to miss so much of the goodness um, on the way. I think I've seen all three of these in myself, by the way, at different times um, in this quarantine. And the second thing is you know, that we can resist it. We can get tired of cabin fever, tired of our home offices, um, you know, tired of the news that comes in constantly from COVID-19. And uh, this cloud of dread can just kind of hang over us and we just want to get out of it um, and turn into a curmudgeon. But no one wants to be around someone like that. And so the third option, and this is this is something I'm learning, is just to embrace it. You know, in our house we call it catching time, where we're just gonna we're just gonna enjoy the moment and and receive what's there to learn in each moment, whether it's good or bad, and uh, and practice you know soul care in the midst of it so that we can embrace where we are. But I think um, we have a choice: will we ride it out, will we resist it, or will we embrace it? And I think if we embrace it, then we'll finish the work that God has called us to do in this season that we're in right now. Amen. Whereas Paul says, fight the good fight and keep the faith. And so, folks, let's keep fighting that good fight and keep the faith. Awesome. Well, love you, brother. Thanks for being here. And we will catch you on the flip side. Love you, too. Thanks. All right. Bye. Well, that was great to have him on. Exciting to hear about what God is doing um, as we um, as we continue to just trust in him in uh, these uncertain times. Yeah. You're going to have to hopefully uh, there's, you know, one I want to pivot here and talk about some things that are going on and just stop me if I'm unfortunately the Wi-Fi is not great. I'm hoping this is the best solution, but um, serious things that I want to discuss uh, today. Um you may or may not heard uh, a situation that has occurred in February and Georgia has come to light and uh, gotten more information. And if you've been paying attention or on social media, you've been seeing uh, this article who was gunned down. Um, his man was black and he was gunned down by two white men and there was a third person in the car as well. And so much of what happened is, is now out for people to, to look at. But this happened in February where this 25-year-old man was, was jogging and was um, shot and killed by, by two men who were pursuing him because they thought he was a, a burglar um, from the past this is the middle of the day. And they took it upon themselves to take this situation into their hands. And the reason why it, it came out is because there's a video that surfaced of the incident, which is of course very violent where you can you know, actually see this young man killed. And um, the reason why I want to talk about it is because it's, it's creating a lot of stir, of course, but primarily I want us, the three of us, to discuss this together about how we're feeling, what we're experiencing, um, and speak into what's happening um, in the hearts of our, our people who go to our church and in the world. The world wants answers. The world wants to understand. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time reading the articles to try to find out as much information about what's going on. And it seems pretty clear to me, in my opinion, that, that this was just, just murder. And then how it was handled afterwards um, 
is is so uh, disheartening to me. And I, I referenced this a little bit earlier, but I, I'm going to tell you, there's been so many things that have happened in my life or things that I've heard, whether it's 9-11 or, or whatever you want to talk about, these disturbing things that have happened in my life. Um, this is the first time, I think, in a while, maybe if ever, where I, I couldn't sleep. My heart um, was just hurting so bad and confused and frustrated and uh, and at times angry and at times um, um, just just despondent and and just wanting to to, to understand something that I think um, I was aware I'm aware that we're struggling with racism in our country but it's deeply disturbing to me and I know it's deeply disturbing for our people and so I want us to talk about it and my goal here is is not to 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 tell people what to do uh, or anything like that or how to feel, but I want there to be a balanced, open expression of of what people might be experiencing. You know, you know, I'm, I, each of us has a different role. You have the associate pastor here. You have the lead pastor here. All of us are teaching pastors, and Daniel's role is, is in 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 this idea of of diversity, but also in social justice and and bringing reconciliation where there can be reconciliation. And so these are things that all of us are thinking about, and it's time for us to to speak. So I I just want to open it up just to express first, where are you emotionally in this situation? Where are you intellectually in this situation? And open it up for anyone um, of you guys to to speak. Daniel, I feel it's appropriate for me to allow you to share what's on your heart. I have a number of thoughts, but I think it'd be interesting and um, important to hear your heart. Yeah, I think um, I'm... Well, I was going to say fun fact, but not so fun fact. He would have been 26 tomorrow. Um, yeah. Tomorrow was his birthday. Um, and I think the we talked about this even um, as I was transitioning here, um, that I'm sensitive to not being perceived as the angry black man in these conversations. Um, but I also want to be able to um, remove reasons for people to tune me out. Um, so I'm sensitive to that balance, right? Um, and um, I, I say that to say, when I say my anger and the anger of many who look like me, I'm not the black conscience. I don't speak for every black person, but most black people have shared experiences. Um, and another, uh, sorry, unfun fact is that the one of the gentlemen that shot him was a retired police officer and or investigator for the uh, prosecutor, which uh, may explain um, some of the reason why it's taken three months or so uh, to even talk about charges. So they're still free. They're still not charged. And if you look at the video, I do want to um, put a disclaimer in that it is very squimish. Um, mm -hmm. it, you right. see him get pumped three times with a shotgun, um, unarmed, by the way. My anger um, and frustration um, is not just because of what happened February 23rd. It's that this has been happening and this continues to happen. Um, and in many ways will continue to happen. Um, and the interesting thing that has happened in the last few years is, um, you know, Malcolm Muggridge, uh, a famous poet, used to say, uh, new news is old news happening to new people. And I think sometimes we think when we become aware of something is when it start actually happened. Uh, we can trace this back down to 500, 400 years ago from slavery all the way down here where black lives do not matter. Black lives are subpar. We are three fifths of humans. Um, there is a systematic and systemic, uh, uh, I mean, we're reading through a book called Color of Compromise, which I would challenge you if you are white or black, but specifically if you are white and you, you, you say you're not a racist and that you don't, you don't understand this and you want to understand, I would challenge you strongly to read that book and learn even the role the church played, but the role that America played in 
the prejudice that still happens today. Quotes like black people are socially degraded or they were cursed by God. So we're doing God a favor by enslaving them or that they are not worthy of being in fellowship with us, even though they we're baptizing them and making them Christians. So I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I I'm also angered by the many people who quote Dr. King, who, when he was alive, would have, wouldn't have sped on him to put him out if he was on fire, um, or who hated him. And um, all the people who don't think that they're racist, but push agendas um, that say things like, and I, and I just want to be candid when I say this, make America great again. Because I don't know what error we're speaking of, because whatever error, however far you go in the error, I become less and less free. I become less and less human. I become more and more of a target. So I'm angry um, and I'm asking the question and the question that's reverberating in my soul is why us? And let me tell you what I mean by that. In every continent in this world, in every country in this world, Black people are a target. Don't believe me? Just do a research. Just search. Every country, every continent. You could even argue that, okay, well, in Africa, they're doing it to themselves. But what's the cause of that? Who came? Who, who colonized us? Was it the French, the Portuguese, the Spaniards, the, the, the British, and then America, and you took the brightest and the best of resources from Africa, and you think that those people who are in the so-called S-hole countries will be able to make it? I'm angered by that. I'm angered that we don't see the trace in the systemic um, line that's drawn. I'm angered by the fact that when we talk about the Holocaust, we will say we should never forget, which is rightly so. But do you know that the most liberal, the most, um, the most easy, the most calculated, the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, just the most liberal count of who died in the Holocaust was about 5 million. Do you know that the most liberal count of how many black people died in chattel slavery in the Middle Passage, um, and we're not even talking Jim Crow, is about 15 million? Do you know that? Do we say the same thing of never forget? So, and it's worse when I realize the complicity of the church, of the American church. Um, I say this and I'll keep saying it. This is not a theory for me and people who look like me. This is not a philosophy. This is not a treatment and discussion. This is not a treatise. This is life. And it's sad that I can watch someone get shot and look and say, that could be me, that could be my son when he grows up, that could be my brother, that could be my sisters, that could be any number of our members at our church that are pigmented. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, and so the question I keep asking, <clears throat> why us? Why us? And that's not a question of questioning God, because I can absolutely say that every racist Christian in history, every time that Christianity was used to pillage and destroy people like me, it was them not living out the truth of the gospel. So I can make that distinction, but I'm still asking the eternal question, why us? Why? Every continent, every city. Why us? And that's where I feel. Thank you for sharing, Daniel. Um, I think that, that um, well, there's so much to what you've said and will continue to say that um, would be good of us uh, to humbly and um, graciously hear um, and and identify with where you're at and where people of color are at um, and then come into proximity alongside of our brothers and sisters of color. Um, there's an important process that we learn about, Be the Bridge, 
which is a, a group we have that uh, meets for what I think eight to 10 weeks or so. Um, and, and we, we continue to do that multiple times throughout the year. And one of the processes uh, on this journey toward uh, justice and unity and righteousness is the process of lament. And so um, that's something that one in our culture, we're not very good at Two, as white people. We're not very good at three, the church. We're not very good at. Um, and so um, I think it's important that we lament with you. We mourn with those who mourn. And that's another thing too. So I just quote a scripture, mourn with those who mourn. Um, it would be very easy for people who look like me um, who don't want to be called racist, who don't want to um, identify this as an issue that they'll want to say, oh, okay, now we're talking about politics again in the church and those two should yeah, be separate. Yeah. And this is, um, mm-hmm. uh, sure, there's there's politics to this, absolutely. Um, and we can, we can talk about that. But to deny that this is a human issue and therefore a gospel issue, is a grave mistake. This is a gospel issue. And it's why we talk about it in our church at life church. It's why I was drawn to life church. I've shared with you brothers already a little bit of my heart in this matter, not just the specific story, but the stories that continue to happen. And then the stories that will never even hit the light of day on the media. Um, This is just one that happened to, and like we said, it happened three months ago now, and we're only just now talking about it um, because it hit the news. Um, I was nine years old when I saw the beating of Rodney King. And for whatever reason, I can still remember vividly the feelings I felt as a nine-year-old kid in a very small, all-white farming community in Northwest Iowa, but feeling like this is not right. And I don't know that I would have been able to articulate it um, as a nine-year-old. Um, but then continued to be exposed to things in history um, and things in the present. Um, and then was in Minnesota, very close in proximity to the situation um, when Philando Castile was shot and just the, the waves that happened in our community there and just feeling it's incumbent upon me as a pastor to speak to my predominantly white church about this at that time. Um, and connect it to the gospel because it is connected to the gospel. I'll put this book up again, Color of Compromise that Daniel mentioned. Some people I saw in the comments were asking about it. Um, This was a very quick read and an uncomfortable read. And it's because um, it it was quick in the sense that every time I tried to put it down, I felt like (laughs) this weird feeling of I, I owe it to my brothers and sisters of color to understand the history. I owe it to them. And, and that word complicity is so powerful. And so um, that has been a word that has resonated with me as a pastor, as a human, as a white male. Um, and and I, I want to continue to lament along uh, with, with this community, with this family and families. Um, but also another process that I think we as a church have to engage in that we talk about it, be the bridge is the process of repentance. Yeah. Um, repenting of where we have been complicit um, and where we continue to be. And then we have to call out by name, white supremacy. We have to, we have to say it. We have to name it for what it is. We have to say that it is racist. Um, and we have to plead with God Um, to give us spiritual wisdom and insight to move toward his plan for humanity and toward um, peace, toward unity, toward love, toward justice, all of the things that are not political issues, gospel issues. And so I'm saddened. Um, I'm saddened. Yeah. One of the things I'm just struggling because I know my internet it's not going well. And this is so important to be clear. So as I'm quiet and listening, it's because I want clarity from you guys and I trust you guys, but I do want to make sure that people understand that just what you said, Jared, 
this is a gospel issue. And what we aren't doing here is taking political sides. And I know that the milieu of what we're in right now is that you can't do that. You have to choose a side and you have to stick to it. And I just reject it because there's a bigger thing. I reject that all. You can think you know what I vote and what I do, but you don't know me. But I know Jesus and I, and I know what he says. And there's a man who is dead. There's a man who is dead, a young man who is dead. Because people looked at him and said, I'm going to make him pay for what I think he did. And they aren't in jail. They weren't even taken in. They are out and about. And, and for me, I'm not calling for them to, to I, I'm not getting involved in what should happen. I am just mourning the fact that what has happened is that we have treated someone's life so little, so little, because his skin is different. And it's not okay. And we as a church have to do better. And we have to be part of it. And there are political actions to take. That's not what I'm talking about right now. If you're listening to me and you're saying, "Look, oh, look, 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 look," here's those those conservative or those uh, you know those liberal people, you're missing the point. God calls us to look at the sin in our own heart and in our community's heart, our collective heart, and to call out what it is and to shine light. And I, I be, I'm begging you, if you're listening to this and you're pissed off at me right now, you're pissed off at that we're even talking about this and, oh, here we go. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You are asking the wrong question. You're missing it. Jesus is asking you for, for your heart to break like his, and his heart breaks for this young man. His heart breaks for our community. His heart, his heart breaks for what happened to our brothers and sisters of color, and what is still happening to them. And if you don't want to look at that, you're missing out on the heart, the heart of God, and you're missing out on part of him. And I, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would open your heart to hear, and just to question just for a moment what you believe, just for a second, to see if God doesn't show you something powerful. And I agree uh, so much with what you guys are sharing and I hope that it's clear what I'm saying. Um, and it's important for us to have these conversations. And they're better done across the table. They're better done back and forth and, and not pushing away, but talking. Um, and I hope that in our dialogue, you can get a feel for that and know that we're open to having these conversations with you. Um, but we cannot go into this weekend and not see our brothers and sisters who are hurting and ignore them. And, and so we have to talk about this. So I appreciate you guys being open and honest and raw. And I want to I want to go back to to Daniel if you're willing, just to bring some more of your thoughts and more of your um, heart. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot um, we can't unpack. Even color compromise doesn't um, doesn't doesn't do justice to all the atrocities that still happen. But I think your plea. And Dr. King often said something, and I'm and I'm loosely paraphrasing him. And I don't mean to keep quoting King like he is uh, a paragon of perfection. That's not the point. But there's just some things that make sense then that are sadly still make sense now. Um, and he said that um, um, that slavery or sort of the ill treatment of black people and and the, the things that they were going through and we are going through now will never change until the white conscience is awoken um and i and your plea nathan speaks to that and I, I i was sharing with a group of people earlier that um essentially it was when the white conscience was open that slavery ended it was when the white conscience were open that jim crow ended it was when the white conscience was open that lynchings ended you see me shake my head because it was when the white conscience was open that uh awoken that we begin to be less or more than three-fifths of a human being it was when the white conscience was open that selma seeing blacks being beating and hoses video does a lot 
And it was when the conscious was open that we started to gain human rights, not even calling them civil rights, I'm calling them human rights. And perhaps it's when the white conscious is open again and, and not seared and pricked by the things that are going on that we may begin to see a reversal, not just in the death rates, but perhaps in the systems that allow for those rates to go up in the first place. Because this issue of race doesn't just limit itself to the, I'm not even calling it murder anymore, the assassination of a young black man. Uh, it doesn't limit itself to that. It's the healthcare system. It's the school system. It's the still real separate but equal that still happens in America. Um, it's the segregation. And it's very interesting to realize that there are still men and women who are in Congress, whatever side you fall, Republican, liberal, I'm, I'm lumping all of it. And that's, that's I love that about being a gospel centered man like we are, is that I'm not choosing a sign. I'm choosing the gospel. Um, there are men and women who are still alive now who were against bus who were against integration, who were for the Jim Crow laws that are still alive, that are still making laws of the land, whose children feed into that, who perhaps are related to some of the people who murdered and assassinated this young man. And if you look at the video, what was super telling was that you shoot a man three times and he falls lifeless and he walks away and the other gentleman walks over with a handgun still in his hand as if to pump more bullets into him. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe in anything. But do you believe that life matters? And if you do, I would, I would ask you, does your pride matter more than life? Remove any shallow, any, any title you want to give this, jettison liberalism, conservatism. Just look at life especially for those of us who say we are pro-life and we love the life of a human being and we believe is the life more important inside the womb than it is outside of the womb? Do you stab us? Do we not bleed? Do we not cry? Do we not have human hearts? I agree with you so much, Nathan, that <sighs> I know you want action steps. I know everybody wants action steps. And people who are sincere, perhaps because they're really sincere, or maybe it's just a sense of guilt. I know you want action steps. But can you just mourn? Can you lament? Because if you're doing action steps just to assuage the guilt you feel, that's not, that's not real. It's going to be a temporary thing. It's going to be a thing that moves on the next week while people are still dying. But can I just have you, if you are here and you're listening and you even consider me a human being, because I'm the closest probably proximity that you have, right? For all of the people who have hugged me in the hallways, who I miss dearly, even in this season, for all the people who've called me pastor, who've called and reached out to me, can you pause? For all the people who are even on our staff who say, I love you, brother, can you pause for a second and just look? I'm your brother. We are your brothers and sisters. Can you just take a moment to Google? Just research. Just just take a take a take 10 minutes. To say, let me see if this man's telling the truth. Because the proverbial question is, if the black man is angry, why is he angry? Maybe that's the bigger question. We do that in psychology. We understand that there's trauma. And we ask these questions of, why do they feel the way they feel? If you assume enough of me to know that I'm not an idiot, that I have intellect, that I'm logical thinking, please pause and look. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I'm thankful for you, too. I'm thankful for uh, people on our staff. I'm thankful for Rich. I'm thankful for Kate. I don't mean to leave people out on purpose, but I'm just, I'm just telling you what I feel. I'm thankful for those people. And I'm thankful for the people who are still in the process, who are sincerely trying to get their heads around this. 
I'm thankful for the countless of you that are out there that have hit my Facebook and said, I'm with you. I understand. I'm thankful for the folks who are in our beat a bridge and compromise who are saying this is not acceptable. But I want all of us for a second before we move on, sign the petitions. Yes. Do all the things you, you're, you're intending to do. Put foot to faith. Right. Do all that. But maybe this changes when your conscience is awoken. And maybe your conscience will only be awoken if you pause a moment of silence to just hear the screams and the pains of a millennia of black people who were stolen, taken from their land, who have forever lost their identity, their lives, who died in the sea, some who chose to jump overboard to kill themselves because they'd rather be free in the bottom of the ocean than to be in a foreign land with people yelling and screaming at them and prodding and poting them and raping them and pillaging them. Pause and think for one second, if this was you, how would you feel? How would you feel that the very vast majority of us, and I'm one of the lucky ones with the real African last name, but the vast majority of us, every time you see a black person with the last name Williams, John, Jenkins, or Thomas, whatever last name you see, please know that that's a reminder that they were not originally from here and that they are forever lost. And I don't mean that to say that they're not good people or intelligent or they're pitiful people. I'm saying that, that even through that, we survived. Embrace and mourn with us and maybe even celebrate our resiliency to even still be alive and to even still trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very gospel that was manipulated and misused to put us down even till today. I love every one of you. Even if you say you're not right, I don't believe in racism. Things are better. This is a sign that the world is better. This is just an anomaly. This isn't real. I love you. But I do know that there is a God who loves all of us. And as far as I believe in the Imago Dei, the image of God, that we are all image bearers, not only does his heart hurt, Nathan, his heart is angry at the fact that people who he made in his image are killing each other murdering each other and not caring for each other. So my question perhaps is not to God when I say why us, perhaps the question is to all of us, especially those of us who have European backgrounds. Why us? Why us on every continent, in every country, in every era? You read the Egyptian books, you read the Syro-Phoenician books, you read the European books, you read books about the Gauls, about Britannia, about Spain, about Ireland. You read there, you get deep enough, you will find that at some point Black people were slaves. Why us? And why still? So I don't know. I, I, I just second what you say, Nathan, is... Yeah, mourn, sit in there for a second, lament. It's a lost art. And maybe that's the only way we get through this together. And maybe the hope is only for the church. I'm going to have the privilege of preaching sometime soon about Christ being our peace. If you hear peace about Christ and you think it's only about us being able to sit at a table, he did more than that. He died for more than that. He died for the unity of people like you and I. If not for Christ, I would not be at this table with Nathan with Jared, with Rich, if not for Christ, if not for Christ, if not for Christ. And maybe you can say the same thing, the same thing too, that I will jettison my political ideology, my cultish mentality, and just stop for a second and say, that's another human being that's dead and lifeless. I don't care what he did. I don't care if he did something. It's supposedly he didn't, but I don't care if he, because the notion is maybe all black people look alike to people who are racist. And maybe that's the goal, but I don't know. But what is a life of a human being worth? 
And if you put that in line with your ideology, I pray that the life of a human being wins out and you can at least pause and mourn in this moment. And if you do that, that's the greatest gift you can give yourself and me and humanity. That's all I would say. Daniel, thank you. It's so hard to continually have to know that you're doing it. Jared, is there anything you wanted to say before we before I close this? Yeah, I think um, I will just share, you know, Daniel, you sort of started to allude to, you know, people looking for action steps. I think lamenting is one. And then the one that um, you have said, um, guy who wrote Just Mercy, Brian Stevenson says is get proximate get in proximity with our brothers and sisters. Do life, share a meal, learn about their story. That's what I would say. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that will continue. Um, it takes time, it takes understanding. I hope that you've been disturbed. And what I mean by that is, is not that you've been disturbed by what you think that means as far as your church, what they're going to do politically, but disturbed in your heart, just the plea that Daniel made so clearly to see and mourn the pain and suffering and death and let that godly sorrow and the Holy Spirit move you to awaken, to awaken to something new and risk it for a moment. Risk your pride, risk what you know for a second and learn about Mr. Arbery, he's 25 years old. He was not here, he would have been 26 and his family, who only because a video got out might get justice. It's okay to sit in that it's okay. We run away from pain like it's the plague, but in the pain, God can teach us how to love each other and to make our hearts soft. This conversation isn't going to be over in that we're going to continue talking about it. And we want to open up the door for you to talk to us about it as well. Um, I would love to close us in prayer if that's all right. Holy Spirit, uh, the limitations that we're experiencing right now will never stop what you're doing and how you're challenging us, how you're transforming us. I pray for peace, for the peace of God, which transcends all understanding to fall on us. God, that we would not turn away from pain, that we would not run from it, but we would humble ourselves before your feet and we would walk with our brothers and sisters. Micah 7, 8 says, do not rejoice over me, my Though I have I will rise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. God, though we are in mourning, we know that you will shine light on the way forward as a community to love and learn and bring your kingdom.
Amen. Uh, Nathan, we lost you for some of that prayer, but what was that verse, um, that passage? Was it Micah 7, 8? Is that what you said? So Micah 7, 8, good passage on morning. Um, we're losing you, but I, I think that's our time for today. Um, oh, there you go. Okay, good. Well, still losing you a little bit, but good. That's our time for the day, folks. Yeah, Micah um, 7, 8. Micah 7, 8, got it. Um, that's our time for the day, yeah, folks. Thank it's you. Been a, it's been um it's been real. Uh, I usually say it's been a joy, but it's been real. Uh, but it has been a joy to see um this conversation even happen um through a, a church um that is predominantly white and have that passion. So I'm thankful for all of you. Um, including those people who didn't get a chance to see this yet we are thankful for everyone we are all god's people christ is our peace he reigns and there is hope otherwise we would be in a in a bad spot so we thank him for his hope so well until next time folks uh, we do have some questions some theological questions that prayerfully we will hit next week but until then we love you guys and godspeed pastor jared last word godspeed godspeed all right